Hi, welcome to another edition of Talk Hockey Radio. Um, joined again with uh, this week or this month even um, is Simon and Fraser. Hello there, Fraser. Hi, Taff. How are you going? Hey, not too bad. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, how's your had any hockey today? Uh, just uh, an interclub friendly game. Okay, nice. Who won? Oh, oh, yeah. You said this last round, didn't it? Nobody ever counts the interclub uh, points, but who won anyway? Uh, no idea. Don't keep score. Oh, oh really? Is no. that actually true this week? It is true every week. <laughs> what about you, Simon? Yeah, good, thanks. I've been out of my son. Uh, I can tell. Watching our, our women's freeze, won, I think, 8 or 9 nil to win oh. their little summer league. And then my team, who I normally play for, but I'm injured at the minute, uh, won 5 nil to win our little summer league. Um, so, yeah, quite a lot of hockey, a lot of uh, photography done. Yeah. And I've uh, caught the sun big time. I can tell, I can tell. It's, uh, it's even better than last time. Yep. Yeah, I'm lighting up the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. So we've got another fun packed podcast for everyone today. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, <laughs> we're not going to go on about stuff, but I think we will, uh, as, as I normally do in my soapbox. And then Fraser just keeps quiet and agrees with me, uh, usually. <laughs> so, Fraser, uh, we've got the run sheets of what we're going to talk about. Talk us through the um, stuff this week. Okay, so we have quite a lot to get through in this recording. So we have the FIH presidency. Yeah. We have the newly announced FIH hockey manager game. We have the Euro and Olympic selection and some pretty big omissions. We have some coach changes that have come out in the past couple of weeks to go over. Yeah. We have the conclusion of some domestic competitions. We have some retirements. We have what is left of the FIH Pro League. And then we have some a couple of other topics to talk about as well. Cool. Right. So uh, go on then. You pick on what, we want, what we're going to talk about. Let's go for it. So let's kick off talking about the FIH presidency. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, right. So as we all know, our illustrious leader has been re-elected. <laughs> the uh, presidency again which is uh, Dr Mr whatever his name is, Batra so and I, I mean look I know what my views are on this and I think I know your views on this, I'll start with you Fraser because I know what Simon might be saying <laughs> what do you think, I mean if you look at the voting that was done which was obviously secret uh, which people, some people are not happy about yeah, it was 63 to 61 but there are some other controversial things going on uh, behind the scenes as well that that we probably have to or we'll, we'll cover so go on yeah so comments. like you say there's a lot of stuff that's come out around this which just hangs a, a shadow over it if it is on the the up and up and everything but I believe we were talking about this before 63 is the minimum number of votes for uh, the election results to stand yeah um there was some new national governing bodies being allowed to vote which I think not about had vote. three they, they, they were they just got in just before the voting i mean you know simon's nodding his head there i'm pretty sure he's got something to say about that anyway but um but three i think for, from what i understand I, I can't remember who they were uh, i should have done my research on this one really um, but three that got in just before the election. And also, the as you touched on, the secrecy of the votes. Mm. So I think they talked about it on the reverse stick. As a fee-paying member, surely the national governing body should be accountable to those members. Yeah. So why are we not allowed to know who our national governing body voted for? Yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree with that. Sorry. I'm delighted that he's been elected. <laughs> um, no, 
Um, it's ridiculous. Um, on the on the transparency thing, in a functional democracy where you're able to vote for who you actually want to vote for, then you should also have to say who you're voting for. Um, because if you don't feel you should tell people, then it probably means you shouldn't have voted that way. But it's obviously in a functional democracy. It doesn't always work that way. Um, his track record speaks for itself. They launched a competition that no one wanted, no one needed. It was so ill-conceived. Uh, <laughs> the flying teams around the world, and I appreciate they made some improvements on the second uh, iteration before COVID uh, derailed it. Yeah. Uh, but hand on heart, none of those players care about the competition. It's a, a means to an end for qualification, but only a few really have a chance. Um, it's not even the top eight teams in the world. Um, and with their fantastic commitment to equality, uh, Spanish women aren't in it, but the Spanish men are. Um, <laughs> you know, it, there's there's so much wrong with it. Um, letting in those countries uh, and then allowing them to vote. I mean, obviously they may well have gone, do you know what? Yeah, thanks very much for getting us in, but we're going to go the other way on this one. Um, we just don't know, do we? Because obviously the, the ballot secrets. So... No, I mean, I might be doing a disservice, but I, yeah. I probably bet a reasonable amount of money that they did vote for him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, an announcement came out just before the vote uh, for, for a new FIH product. Uh, so yeah. that, that gave him the ability to tick a box and say, yeah, I've done something I said I was going to do. He hasn't done much of what he said he would do, but he's done that one now. Um, <laughs> and um, what was the other thing? Complete mind blank. Well, <laughs> The, the the other thing was, I mean, I, I think maybe you might be touching on like, on this or, or or thinking about this is the 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 uh, the controversial um, court case that's happening in in uh, India, uh, which basically uh, had or was in the process of happening <clears throat> before the vote had happened. It actually started at the start of this year, or the or the complaint actually came in, and then the court case ha- uh, is happening. So. I don't know. I'm not sure what your thoughts on on this are, and I and I understand that basically um, he is obviously innocent until proven guilty. But there's a lot of a lot of evidence against him, right? That's been compiled by the I think it's the Karate Association or something like that in in, in India or something like that. And he, and he because they weren't listening to him or something, he threatened to throw them out. The I I Indian Olympic Committee, uh, although they are called the IOC as well. So, um, so basically, you know, um, that is a major, major thing. Now, one, now I don't know about you guys, but sometimes there is some truth in, in allegations and sometimes it's a lot of rubbish, okay? But surely that should have been taken into consideration as well for him to actually be re-elected. Now, if it turns out that he did what he did and... He allegedly did. Well, okay, he allegedly did, right? Then what does that mean for the FIH and his standing as president of the FIH now? Does that automatically then go to Mark because you know he just about lost out if he if he has to step down? I don't know. I'm sure that there's some statutes for it. Um, I do hope that justice is done. Um, the other thing I was gonna I was gonna mention was the fact that. Kujon was given, you know, the normal window to pitch himself that he's entitled to as a candidate, yeah. whereas Batra was able to speak pretty freely, uh, uninterrupted, uh, for a substantial amount of time because yeah. he is the incumbent president. And in a real democratic process, in a, in a two-way vote, you don't say, okay, we're going to give you 10 hours, go, talk, say anything, okay, you, new chap, five minutes, crack on. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, I don't think it actually will have impacted the vote. Yeah. I suspect that 
everyone knew who they were voting for well in advance and that nothing anyone said would have uh, impacted it um but it's just another thing where it's not as transparent fair whatever you want to call it as it could have been and that's what it should aspire to be i mean uh, so- yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I saw a lot of um, tweets and and messages on, on social media and stuff about people just comparing it to FIFA and their non-transparent voting with, with is it Seth Blatter or whatever his name was? And, you know, the controversy behind that as well. Um, I don't know. Fraser, you're a bit quiet. <laughs> yeah. So going back to the, the three new governing bodies that were allowed in. Yeah. Do we know how long they've been in the works for the application? Uh, I know that I know they were finally approved fairly last minute. Yeah. Um, from what I've read, and again, it, it, I don't think it mentioned who they were um, on like news, you know, uh, uh, blogs that I saw. Um, from what I understand, it was kind of rushed in, so that they they were approved just in time for the elections. So I'm not sure whether. It was one of those things where, you know, it was only last month but where they applied and then obviously they got approved uh, and it takes about three weeks for it, for them to actually do their due diligence and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a process and they should have had they should have had a, a, a process of like, you know, um, checking the uh, tip boxes and things like that before they got approved. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is like, you know, there was a bit of controversy on again social media news blogs and things like that where these guys these three national government bodies uh, were just allowed in just in time for the election and now that in itself is a bit uh, you know so, surely as a new a brand new national organ, uh, organization who hasn't been in the you know the setup of the FIH for very long shouldn't be allowed to vote there should be some sort of try uh, you know time scale or whatever i don't know so all that pushes is the narrative of he knew he was getting those three votes oh yeah maybe because if even if they were going to vote for him maybe they agree with all his policies whatever yeah them coming in last minute through a fairly quick process Mm. by all means if he wasn't sure he was getting those votes he could very easily spin the wheels put stuff in place slow the process down so they weren't coming through yeah yeah so that to me looking from the outside just pushes the narrative of he knew those three votes were going to go for him yeah yeah you, you, you know you could be right i mean we're, we're speculating here but that's yeah. absolutely something 100 percent that... speculation but yeah, that yeah. that's how it comes across yeah absolutely even if that's not true that's yeah. how it comes across yeah definitely that's why there needs to be the transparency as to who votes for who yeah, but also the other reason for ha- for having who votes for who, uh, not only does it then exploit, it, sorry, expose if there is any degree of corruption there, but it also enables people to understand, okay, well, why, why did you vote yeah. this way, so that there can maybe be a bit more alignment. And there's obviously a, a frequent criticism that European hockey federations will only look after their own interests, and Asian hockey federations will only look after their own interests, and blah yeah. blah, blah blah. So if it's a proper transparent process, then at least you know, and you can then begin a. a a dialogue to try and get closer together on matters yeah um, i mean i saw i saw i mean i don't this is a bit controversial what i'm gonna say here now right um but i saw some tweets and again social media posts that that people were so you know turning around and saying he's done a lot for indian hockey right so great job becoming president again now personally i don't think it should be a great job for indian hockey that they should be praising it should be a, a great job for international hockey as a whole really do you know you couldn't say that though, could you? No, yeah, I know, but you know, it's no, he's done a good job for Indian hockey, yeah. I mean, that's what they said, and I was like, well, shouldn't it be that 
he's done a good job for international hockey, not just for Indian hockey. Yeah, he might have done great for Indian hockey. And, you know, look at the Indian hockey team. They're, they're doing pretty well. And, you know, he might have done some great job of work for Indian, ho- uh, Indian hockey. Who knows, right? He obviously has been in a, in a situation where he's actually improved the Indian hockey kind of like, you know, stance and, and presence and stuff. But it definitely should be about international hockey, not just about Indian hockey. Yeah, if, if it was solely... The- a con- if, if their progress was a, a consequence of yeah. um, better the options. International standards. Yeah. But it's not. Um, but over here, when Sally Monday left England Hockey to, I think she's at UK Sport now, Yeah. if there's a hockey matter that she has, that, it, that would normally fall to her um, to to make a decision on or to be involved yeah. in the decision, she's not allowed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a way of dealing with a conflict of interest. Uh, and that doesn't seem to be the case here. That there's, yeah. there's no safeguarding against conflict of interest here. There are a lot of, I said this, I think, on Twitter, but there's a lot of people who are trying to do good in the FIH. It's not everybody, but yeah. this guy is is not transparently trying to do anything that's particularly in the interest of hockey. His priorities seem bizarre. Um, yeah. If we if we were to pretend that they're with the best intentions, they are bizarre priorities. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and his track record indicates he is not fit to lead that organisation. They consistently miss deadlines to publish uh financial records and reports um they're in financial difficulty they've launched something that's completely against athlete welfare in the yeah. pro league against yeah. sustainability principles by jetting everyone off it's so inefficient um the watch.hockey app is a shambles mm-hmm. um because the, the, the people who are delivering the back end of it are clearly either aren't motivated or don't have the skill set to deliver a functional app yeah it's just so much is wrong <laughs> I mean, uh, the other the other thing, uh, a little bit after after the votes happened, or a few days after the votes happened, he he came out with a statement with, with regards to uh, I would love to see uh, uh, hockey fives in the Olympics now, and there was a another sort of like uh, um, you know article that I read that said something like the IOC had never asked the FIH to come up with a short form of hockey for the Olympics because hockey is not in danger of being thrown out of the Olympics just yet, right? So why on earth would we want to have a short-form hockey in the Olympics when we've got the normal 11-a-side hockey in the Olympics already at the moment? We would only, as a, as an organisation, bring in something like that if we were in, in kind of like, you know, what am I trying to say? In jeopardy of actually losing that uh, Olympic status, really. Well, from from what I understand, and I, I'm keen to speak with um, Mike, who I think is is heavily involved in the delivery of it. From my understanding, the arguments for it are the smaller side stuff facilitates um, developing countries to get into the game, which is a good thing. That needs yeah. to happen. Um, and in theory, it takes up less space and the rules are less complicated. So again, more accessible, which is a good thing. But the other argument is one of the threats to hockey is it's a heavy investment for a city to develop hockey facilities when they when they may not be a, a natural, a normal already um, sort of uh, hockey nation. Yeah. So the outlay is is hard to justify. But the problem is with hockey fives, it's the same outlay because yeah. you're still building a specific pitch for these things. Um, and there is the clear argument for indoor hockey uh, yeah. to be in the games, either yeah. as part of the Winter Olympics or, or the summer. Um, I, 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 I mean, I was, I was on, an, on, on another podcast, um, the Half Court Press podcast um, that Teo had uh, done, and I was on there with uh, another international 
and she was like loving the fact that uh, she could play fives and all that stuff and and i put it to her it to say look appreciate that maybe having a, a short form hockey has actually uh, uh, has developed more ngbs because they've got because they didn't have enough players to actually have it 11 aside so now that they've got a five aside it's great they can do more maybe i don't know they can get involved in their fih somehow uh, as a as a uh, five fives nation or whatever but i was saying why did why on earth we didn't use the six aside indoor format kind of thing and adapt it for the outdoors anyway and keep it as a six aside so you could actually use your indoor team outdoors right you don't have to lose any players if you wanted to it's it's i know there's a bit more of a rule changes or whatever from the indoor to the to the fives uh, thing but moving it from a, a six aside to a five aside and then to an 11 aside that to me i don't know it, it doesn't work for me if you go from six to six and then 11 that might have worked if they wanted more you know you know countries to get involved in hockey and yeah, you know what? at the end of it she basically turned around and said i see your point Taff. and I, you know what i'll go with that i'll go with the six and six and then the 11 as well you know i managed yeah. to change my mind <laughs> I'd be keen to to speak with someone like Mike and understand it because, like I said, there's a lot of people who want to do good, and I'm sure there's a very good reason as to why they want to go ahead with it and to press it. Yeah, I am skeptical, but I'm also open-minded on certain things, and this I'm I'm willing to be convinced. I'm not. I'm not. We went from six uh, six aside indoors to five aside indoors, and then back to six aside indoors. So because they knew the five aside didn't work, right? So. I just think the five-a-side outdoor will probably not work. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, it might be a massive improvement on, you know, our hockey status around the world. I don't know. Right. But I, I honestly think we could have, should have gone from six indoors to six outdoors and then, um, you know, 11-a-side, um, uh, you know, stuff. But like I said, I don't know, uh, Fraser, again, you're quiet. Step in, step in. I was about to say, and yet, and every interview we ask for a hockey fives team. Yeah, we do, we do, because we have to go with what's what's going on at the moment, isn't it? Really. Um, so for me, as Simon pointed out, the the pro league is a colossal waste of money. Yeah. Flying athletes around, it is disruptive to the athletes because they have to disappear off around the world constantly. It's detrimental to all of the club leagues because it takes those stronger players away from their team so we don't get youth players developing because they're not playing as higher standard people mm. or training with them at club level as much as i like going and watching the the pro league games the the negatives to me always have outweighed the positives yeah also i like the tournament structure of everyone turns up in one place and we take over yeah uh queen elizabeth park in london and have loads of hockey tents and stuff and i can go around and look at all the cool hockey gear <laughs> um, the thing is it, it's it's a, it's it's more cost effective for international um you know teams to do that sort of thing just come in for a week or whatever and play however many games and then go home again right it's cost effective because they're not actually coming down for three days or four days having a t uh you know three three you know three two three games or whatever okay and then flying off again somewhere else right and then doing the same thing again and again and again on, on different weekends. It's not cost effective. You put, you're playing like, you know, you, you're spending triple or quadruple the amount of money that you would probably do if you just have it have a tournament for about a week or two weeks. Why they got rid of the champ, uh, champions um, trophy and all that stuff uh, is beyond me as well. Because that, again, would was a good avenue for, you know, the lesser, 
you know, not the lesser, I don't mean the lesser uh, countries, I just mean the developing countries, basically, who, you know, want to play against other yeah. teams or whatever. And you always had that wild card element to it as well, because you had all of the various tiers of uh, the, the Champions Trophy going through, so you could get promotion, Yeah, you get promotion again. Uh, the Scotland team outperformed their budgeting yeah. and got all the way through to the, the Champions Trophy and had yeah. to look to crowdsource to actually cover the cost of going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, that's, that was the beauty of, of, of that tournament, really. And, and I appreciate that, you know, Scotland had to do that. And there was a couple of other countries that may had to do, has had to do it over, over a period of time. Even Didn't even England have to do it a few good few years ago? I don't know. Or... or or something like that. I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure uh, I remember something to do with. I think you're thinking of Reading when the women. Ah, yes, that's it. Domestic competition. So that's I, had it. To... I was thinking of Reading. Sorry, not England. <laughs> um, it was basically yeah. squad. Hey. It was basically the England squad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, isn't that good though? Isn't that good that they they kind of had to do that because they got so far? And uh, and look at you know uh, the Ireland Irish women when they uh, played in the uh, World Cup and whatever. Do you know how well they did and 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 the boost to their sort of like you know program as well after the, after their you know what was it record breaking performance kind of thing. But yeah, the anyway. first Irish team in any team sport to make yeah. uh, a World Cup final. Yeah, I think we said this in one of the podcasts, didn't we? Um, and it's a, any sporting team in Ireland, any sporting team, they've never got that far. Um, and they did it in hockey. But anyway. Um, yeah, so back to my original point. I yeah. just feel like the Pro League is sucking kind of the magic out of competition because, like we said, it's not the top eight. Yeah. It's the top, is it eight and nine who can afford to be there? Yeah, so on. So well, it, it's very much based on if you can pay your way, you can go, which yeah. is a terrible model for anything. Yeah. Yeah, there's no relegation at the minute. I was no. about to say, there's no relegation. There's no, is there's not even a tournament set up to feed into it. No. I mean, the so, idea would have been the, the Champions Trophy, but, you know, hey, that's gone. Um, but like you were saying, you know, we, we like going to the Pro League uh, games because I think, I don't think it's because it's a Pro League game. It's because... It's an international game that we can go and watch. That's what it is. That's yeah. the only reason, right? People will go to uh, to 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 something like that. It's an international hockey game, regardless of it being pro league. People well, go I mean, to you know, YouTube turn up on work. I go and I know, stand I in the crowd and have a beer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true though. But do you, know, think, do you know? Do you know what I mean? When we had the Champions Trophy in Nottingham, the men had a quad test series uh, with, I think it was New Zealand, Japan, and Germany. And Great Britain men. Um, and that was great. And obviously, you know, you know, there's nothing in theory riding on it, but it it gave people something to watch alongside the women's tournament. So there was yeah. plenty to see. It was great. And obviously, you know, I I don't think it's on our on our plans today, but they've announced this uh, sort of development or under twenty ones home nations tournament, which we're going to take all the credit for. Um, of course, we are. <laughs> but that that could work, and that you know, it's a much lower carbon footprint. Um, uh, if it's going to be senior, then I think, and even maybe if it's under 21, it should be um, on a non-club fixture date so that the clubs don't suffer and that the players can can balance things properly. Yeah. But yeah, it just seems it's silliness, uh, this, this Pro League stuff. And you know, all the people involved, the umpires and whatever, they're having to travel. You know, Not all the players are full-time professionals as well. There's only one or two nations in the entire thing who are. Yeah. 
Um, so they're having to get lots of time off work means they don't have they can't use their annual leave for things like family matters or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it, so, there's very little argument for it. Yeah, well, we're talking about pro leave. Might as well talk uh, uh, take up the uh, uh, the point that we're actually we're going to talk about with regards to pro league and stuff. Um, it's concluded. Is that right? Oh well, there's one game to go. Is that right? Winners weekend. Yes. <laughs> okay. So it's the stupidest advertising I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Explain to the uh, explain to the listeners what that is, right, Guy? So that is the upcoming game between Belgium and Netherlands. Yeah. Which they have decided is winners' weekend. Okay. So it's the men's and the women's. I've not looked at the standings, but I think the men's. It is. Is it those two who are at the top at the minute yeah, so in terms Belgium of percentage? And the Dutch women have both effectively won the Pro League because all the other matches are sacked off apart from Australia versus New Zealand. Yeah. So they're not going to complete the season, but they are going to complete the season because they're going to have a winner. Yeah, but apparently they're not, They're not. you, you were saying before, Simon, they're not going to give the trophy out to anyone or present it to anyone until after New Zealand and Australia played. Is that right? Yep. And that makes absolutely no sense because neither <laughs> of them can win it. They've already announced who's won it, so why not just give the trophy to them? Yeah. And, I mean, I don't even know how they're going to do it. What are they going to do? Like, they're going to fly them all back. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, yeah. To a location. Fly all over to Bachelor's house so he can give it to them and have a picture taken with <laughs> Is this some kind of giant, like, flyer miles scheme? Uh, yeah, uh, probably, probably. I bet they, I bet they, I bet they got a lot of uh, air miles, haven't they? They must have. You can cash them in for vouchers and stuff like that. Is that yeah, how he's? Uh... Yeah, I think so. That's just how you buy the sideboards for? Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Anyway, look, let's carry on because I think we probably could talk about this forever. Anyway, but um, what's next, Fraser? So next is the recently announced FIH hockey game, which is going to be a manager sim. Okay. Uh, so, so, so what do we I, think? Of this? I will dive in a little bit because oh, I have yeah. gone on to the the company's Gold Town Games. Yeah. So I have gone and looked at the games that they have out now, of which they have two, not three. Which was in the announcement that they currently have three games, but they don't. They have two, and they have one announced. Yeah. And I have been playing one of them. All right. And what I can say is, if it's going to be based on this, then the thing that they are targeting to make money from it is very much the player. So in the game, you have two types of currency. You have cash and you have gold. The cash you can earn by building stadiums, having good performance and getting like a crowd turning up. And you can upgrade your stadium to have uh, various things like food stands, uh, merchandise and stuff like that. You know, the things that we don't really have at hockey games. <laughs> um, you manage a team. There's no like names. You just set up a team. So uh, you can call it whatever you want. Yeah. So they don't have to worry about licensing for team names, team kits, any of that. Right. Uh, the players all seem to be randomly generated. I have not come across a single player's name in it that I recognise from football, which is the version that I'm playing. Okay. So that's something else they don't have to worry about. And most of the actions are time-driven. Right. But you can skip ahead by using gold. Gold, there seems to be very little way of actually earning it in-game other than putting... At real world money in right and then there's other stuff that requires gold that doesn't seem like it needs it so uh, if you want to sign new players in the game it not only costs the cash but you also have to pay gold as well oh, okay combination want, of two yeah they want you to burn through your gold pile oh, okay. so i mean in terms of the fundamentals of a game uh, it's quite broad reaching so it's got 
player management, so you have to worry about contracts, you have to upgrade the stand, the training facilities, set up an academy. Yeah. If they bring all that in, hockey players might like it. Yeah. As a mobile game, there's stuff to manage, stuff to do, and then you can set stuff to like upgrade and then leave it for a day and you'll get a notification say, Oh yeah, upgrade is done. Yeah, yeah. Go do whatever, sign new academy players, whatever. But it's not going to attract anyone to the game. Yeah. You're surely. only going to get hockey players doing it. Yeah, surely, right. And I don't know whether you agree with with this side. Surely if it's a, a sanctioned FIH game, even a managerial game, right, you would hopefully have all the current coaches in there, yeah? All the current players in there that you could pick, possibly. The teams that you want to pick. I mean, look, think about the uh, FIFA, <laughs> And their sanctioned games, right? All the sanctioned FIFA games are have basically got the managers on there. Okay, have got the players on there. And if this just just going to be a generic generation of of names and game and all that or whatever, it's not going to be that attractive, to be honest with you, really. Because I would like to see. So the only know, thing I'd say on that is on. FIFA within the contracts of being a member of uh, the English FA and as part of being part of the FA, being part of. Uh, FIFA yeah. have within the contracts player likenesses, yeah. team names, okay. kit likenesses. I don't know that the FAH has that. Okay. Um, Surely it'd be a good idea to have, though. Well, they'd have to pay for it. Yeah, so that's one of the things they voted on in the Congress was to facilitate this. Oh, did they vote for it? Okay. But Well, it wasn't too clear, but to me, that is what I would assume is what they're trying to facilitate in the future. Okay, okay. Well, they've got, they've got five years to develop this game, so if it turns out to be a generic managerial game to start off with, and then it develops into, you know, names that we recognise and, and coaches that we recognise and, and teams that we recognise, right? Maybe it's the first stage of the development of the game, really. Now, I will honestly would like to see recognisable names on there for me to actually enjoy playing and, and, and also have the stats. And let's say, for instance, you know, if I want to if I want to pick, I don't know, Max or Alison Annan or whatever as my coach, then that's going to cost me X amount of money. But if I want developing country uh, coaches and stuff like that, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's a bit like with the Watch.Hockey app. Um, there's something out there already that does this but does it better, which is YouTube. And in <laughs> this case, it's scored. Yeah. It's a very good fantasy league that's been running for quite a while. Yeah. Um, they have the players' names and so on and so forth. I think it's free to play. You can win prizes um, and you can tweak and stuff. And obviously it's it's very centred around uh, milestones in the calendar like yeah. the EHL Final Four or whatever or Euro Hockey Nations Championships. But just once again, you know, if there's someone in the hockey community doing a good job already, yeah. it would make sense to, to work together. Off. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the 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 point of this game that the, uh, we're talking about now is to to generate some money, isn't it? So it generates some income. But the scored one is free, so they're obviously using likenesses and and things like that. So they're okay. I think they're probably all right to get away with that sort of thing until they start charging people. Then obviously they have to have people's licensing uh, agreements and things like that. Um, like um, you know Fraser was saying, I don't know. I you know I I hope that we it's going to develop into a better game than we think it is. I hope it's going to be better than uh, Watch.Hockey app and it's not going to be laggy or, or whatever. Um, so one thing I will say, in playing the game, yeah. there is good visualisation. So you okay. can watch the match play out. You can see the ball bouncing around. You can do real-time changes. Yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work for hockey where you want it to make a change every five to ten minutes yeah. with how it currently works. But maybe you'll set them up, up 
up front, but it's very smooth. Um, oh, good. You, you do have to register. Otherwise, every once in a while, it goes a bit weird. But okay. <laughs> if, well, if you register, you log back in. You don't lose any progress, even oh. if the app bugs out. Yeah. Oh, so so in your eyes, the, the football game that this could probably mirror is, if it's any anything like that, it's going to be okay? Yeah. Like I say, it, the game itself is good. It, it's a free-to-play mobile game. It's always trying to get you to put money in, but it's free to play, so that's how they're all designed now. Yeah. There are some questions I'd have about how they're going to tweak it for hockey. Yeah. But yeah, the the game itself is good, but I do think it would only be played by hockey people. I don't think it's going to attract an outside audience. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's I, see what happens. Sorry, this is a, as someone who I think I said before, most modern game I own is Goldeneye. Um, <laughs> so I have a question for you as a, as a person who's young and withered. Um, <laughs> do, to be there first, uh, Sai. Sorry? Were you talking to me then, young and... Yeah, yeah, definitely too tough. Um, <laughs> no, but with, like, like when I was a kid, I would play Pro Evo. It would have some um, team licenses. Uh, not very many, but it was a Man. better game. So Man it, red, man blue. Yeah, um, and then obviously things have changed a little bit, and I understand that FIFA's now um, a better game or whatever. Um, but people would play it because the quality was very high, and it did have a few licenses. Do people nowadays with mobile games do they play completely unlicensed ones in a in a in a forum like this where that's what people would want? Like like for example, I, I... like like a like an MMA game where you're not getting any UFC fighters or or um um Bellador ones. It's just generic chap versus generic chap. I think well, the at the minute there is a market for everything there are people who are willing to pay for the licensed games because they want to play as uh conor mcgregor or uh ronda rousey or whoever they they actually want to play as and then there will be people who are quite happy to play the the cheaper unlicensed one that has better gameplay i think it, so, it depends on how how much of a fan you are isn't it really if you're a fan of just like let's say MMA, then you might just be all right to play a generic one, right? But if you're kind of like a true fan of things like WWE or whatever, you'd want to actually have the characters that you want, really. So I think personally, myself, because I'm a fan of hockey, I would want to have the the proper people in in my game, even if it was a managerial game, you know? I mean, if you really want to capture the market now, you have to get into Fortnite. Fortnite, yeah. I, uh, my daughter plays Fortnite. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, I don't know. We can't have a, you know, we can't have a hockey version of Fortnite, could we? <laughs> yeah, bulldog sticks, sticks as weapons. Right. Bulldog, it's fine. Um, Last player standing. We've already got it. Um, I don't know. I think you know we'll have to see how this how this develops, and uh, and if if it's any good, any as good as the game that you're saying it, um, that it's going to mirror uh, Fraser, then hopefully it'll be all right as a generic one, and then then like I said, they've got a five year contract with them, aren't they? So hopefully that will develop uh, into a um, better game with maybe licensed players in there and, and teams and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible that they can get licensed players in. Yeah. They they can quite easily sub in a, a licensed player's name and stats yeah. at the higher end. Yeah. Maybe you start out with the generic people and then as you progress up through the leagues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. See, that, that would actually probably work as well. You don't start off at the top. You, you work your way up to the top. Uh, but yeah, you don't compete in any set league, so you wouldn't be playing in the the English Premier League or the uh, 
Hoof Classer. Yeah. You, you just play in. Uh, so I think it's amateur league, semi-professional league, professional league. Um, I can't remember what they're all called, but yeah. you start off. It's literally called amateur league, and it's a, a group of invented teams. Yeah, yeah. I think it's progression no, game. I want, I want, you know, um, is it USA soccer guy? Have you heard oh, of yeah. I want yeah. a game where it's the names he uses. That'd be right. <laughs> if no one knows who I'm talking about, look it up on Facebook. It's very funny. <laughs> cool. See, I, I thought you were going to lean into like sensible soccer style gameplay. <laughs> uh, okay, go on then. Let's, let's move on. Um, what we've got to talk about next? Euro and Olympic selections that have been announced. <laughs> yeah, I saw this, um, and obviously you guys have as well. So uh, go on, Fraser, I'll, I'll come with you on this one first, and then we'll come to Si. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, as you say, we've all seen the teams out, and there's quite a lot of social media comments and uh, videos and things like that about who's missing. Yeah. I've not seen a, a huge deal about the people who have been included no. <laughs> but maybe it's just being drowned out by the emissions. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a few congratulations on yeah. getting selected, but I have seen a lot of how can this player be left out comments. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some of the, some of the names in uh, that have obviously been left out and stuff. And and you're right, there are there are like names that you're thinking, why are they not? in that squad now there have been a lot of um well we're going to talk about this anyway the coaches that have changed in uh, in, in the national um sort of like um you know uh, as a sorry a national team coach has changed over the last uh, month uh, month or whatever a few weeks um so maybe that is their stamping on the, on the on the on the actual teams maybe i don't know but um it's it's mind-boggling the names that have actually been left off right in some of these teams, mind-boggling. It's as mind-boggling as the controversial Australian emissions from when that happened. You know. Well, there's still one emission on Australia. Oh, right, go on. L- Lynch has got back in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Of, well, of the two, Lynch yeah. has got back in. Well, the other one should get back in as well. But you know. Well, if comments on uh, the reverse stick or anything to go by in the selection games she was fantastic and then when the when they were, were left out the reason was given that she wasn't match fit and looked out of it in the selection so i what? mean Oh, you mean like like they did with uh, what's her name Flanagan said 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 she was not fit when she actually was and she was really trying massively hard to get match fit but she was still left you mean that sort of stuff <laughs> so i don't know maybe that's what change? i'm inferring maybe it's not <laughs> I get sued. So, so if that's the case, then nothing's changed really. I thought maybe something m- might have changed in in that respect. Anyway, um, if she was that good and she has still been left out because she's mat- or not match fit, I mean, come on, really? She was good in the practice since and 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 looked really good, but she's not match fit, even though she was brilliant in in the selection. Well, well, haven't haven't they tried to block any more? Uh, investigations into player selection. Have they? Yeah, but uh, science is shaking I think head. So yeah, because but, well, and I can understand to an extent because how much, I think in Australia it's a similar thing to here where there's so much attention on how you spend money, and if the coaches have left, they'll have the argument of well, you know, we've now changed, so why bother? But on the other hand, of course, you should mm. investigate to make sure these problems don't happen again. I, I mean, personally, I find it ridiculous that they can say, oh, we well, are not match fit because the re- reason they're not match fit 
is because they are not being a professional. So they've not been given the same level playing field because yeah. of a gross error in judgment. It's, it's mental. Um, but, you know, it's, it's good to see the Australians go with that tactic of picking the best players possible. Um, it's probably a good thing. Well, I mean, looking from the outside, I'm glad they're not taking the best team possible. <laughs> it's good for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe for other teams as well, I don't know. Um, so, right, go on then. What what are these omissions anyway that we, we, we've got? We've got a couple of names. So, Sai, go on. Well, I mean, Very so, good at um, these name pronunciations. And <laughs> I was about to say, that, is that just for the pronunciation? Yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm rubbish anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, Even though I can speak about four languages. Were, for Germany were uh, Hannah Gablach and uh, Jana Müller-Wieland. Um, so I've seen, I, I read a, a German article about it, I think this morning, Um uh, I can't remember who someone replied to Kate Richardson Walsh's uh, tweet about it with a here's an explanation bit. Um, and their argument was that she would have got in had it been last year, but she's had other things which have taken her away and she's not been as available as she needed to be for things. So they've done it on the basis that she's not been as committed as others. Um, but on the other hand, you know, she's still one of the best in the world, <laughs> despite that. Um yeah. And uh, you do need your leaders when you go to these big tournaments. Um, want, you know, she's got so much experience. Those are the people you can turn to and know with confidence, yeah, I trust you, you will deliver. Uh, and then with Gablat, uh, she missed out on Rio at the final hurdle as well. Um, I don't know the reasons for why she wasn't pitched. She's on the reserve list. Um, but and this is purely from the clutch of games I've seen Germany play, but she seems like one of their better more threatening players um so has has very good basics and um good decision maker uh so it's just a, a bit of a bewildering one particularly though mother veland no well it's a that's a big omission isn't it really like you're saying she's one of the best players in the world whether she's been that committed or not i mean come on it's not been a great 18 months for anyone okay with regards to commitment or anything like that right okay and yes, we, we, we've had to delay the Olympics for for a year, but omitting someone like that, who, who like you're saying, is an experienced player and pro- probably still one of the best in the world, even though she hasn't been playing that much or whatever, everyone's going to be in the same boat, to be honest with you, right? And not having her in the setup is like saying, we want to lose. <laughs> to me, it's a bit like when we didn't pick Rick Mantel, for example, uh, for, for 2012, or Helen didn't go in 2014. Yeah. Uh, those are people you need. Yeah. Um, and that you need to be. And I know that Helen had had her injuries and that there were some concerns with Rick, but they were both such consistent, reliable players. And mm. that's such an important thing. And uh, obviously, you have to go with merit, but like, I mean, yeah, it seems crazy to me. Um, the other one was, was, for example, the other two uh, from Holland was Moritz Visser, uh, Visser sorry, um, the, uh, the goalkeeper from Blumendahl. Um, I, I saw icons ran a poll, and when I when I voted, it was still very heavily skewed as to this is a ridiculous decision yeah. that, he, that he should be going, um, and they didn't understand why he wasn't. Uh, Terence Peters is another one that seems a bit of a surprise to me. Um, seems to well, Campong came second. He's had a good season there, creating and and, and causing trouble for people. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say. Dutch men's hockey is currently in trouble, and it is. Um, and Caldas has obviously ultimately got the chop for, for a variety of different reasons. Mm. Um, but yeah, it does seem odd to have left particularly Visser, the goalkeeper, out. Mm. Um, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, sorry, go on. You were going to. 
Uh, there's also uh, I can't remember his, his surname properly, but the, the Blumendahl forward as well. I think it's Runebart or something like that. I feel terrible. I'm, I'm sure I should have known that. Sorry, but <laughs> whatever his name is, sorry, but, but you know, terribly lovely-looking blonde chap. Um, uh, yeah, again, a great player, and he was injured for a while, but he still consistently seems to have been popping up with goals. He delivers when he's under pressure. Blumendahl easily the best team in the world uh, and he's one of the reasons for it um, so it just seems madness to to cut him so Fraser you're going to say something there as well Bill? yeah when we're talking about selection I mean number one based on the year we're coming out of I wouldn't be convinced that all of these are performance based mm. um, I'm sure there are some of them that are going to be uh, either dependency based or medically based maybe they they're not comfortable making the the journey to tokyo even with the isolation and everything else yeah yeah but and i mean because of that they're getting left out of the euros to try and give experience but the other thing is even if these players are dropping off in terms of performance mm. there is something other than performance that they bring to the team especially around big tournaments which is experience yeah so it's talked about a lot especially with the u.s women's team is that lack of experience because they run on the collegiate system yeah so there are put there are times where the u.s put out a team with less caps than individual players as a the whole team added up doesn't amount to some of the players on the opposition and they talked about in a recent interview that the players that get to like 50 caps become the senior members of the team and they're expected to pass on their experience. And then you look at other countries and there's players with 50 caps and they're like still seen as the newcomer. Yeah. So that big tournament experience can honestly have a greater effect than the performance. Mm. Because as Simon says, sometimes it's that reliability under pressure that you need. Yes, maybe technically they're dropping off. Maybe they're they're coming back from an injury. Maybe they're just kind of getting up there in years and they've not got many left in them. But that experience in the big tournaments can be the thing that makes the difference. Yeah. Well, I remember like back at back March, April time last year, obviously there were so many podcasts coming out and Ava Huda was talking regularly about her return back to playing hockey and that her first training session back with, um, uh, with the Dutch national team, she was expecting um, to, you know, sort of sit back and and kind of not be a passenger but not the driver and then everyone turned to her because it's Ava Huda. what does she think she's the you know the person who's been there done that knows it all mm. um and that's what Muller Veland is is someone that everyone can turn to and know with confidence that she's gonna know what to do and uh and, and pull things through so it just seems utterly bizarre to leave her behind well I don't know I mean well, I do, but, you know, I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't understand why these omissions have happened. Uh, and like you are saying, Fraser, it could be the fact that it is to do with, like, you know, they might not be comfortable, you know, travelling to uh, Tokyo or whatever or and, and other personal reasons. But they've not come out, and none of them have come out and said that it's it's that kind of reason that they're not actually going. Um, you know, even if they turn around and, like, post and say, look, you know, it, maybe it was my it was my decision not to do this or not to go, and that's why I'm not on in the squad. Um, but, but we know there are other people who aren't traveling for that reason. Yeah, who I, have not made that comment in a longer period. So maybe yeah. it is just a case of they're not comfortable putting out why they're not going. But I think I, mean, I think they should. I mean, if they if they are uncomfortable with regards to traveling to Tokyo or whatever um, and playing in a tournament like that, I think you know. I'd be happy with them to turn around, you know, 
and sort of like say, this is why I'm not going, guys, and and, and, and I'm really sorry, but, you know, help before illness kind of thing <laughs> and all that. I think I, I don't that, know. that is potentially a very naive opinion to have. No, really? Let me put it this way. If um, a star football player turned around and said they weren't going to the World Cup for personal reasons, their national team then didn't do as well as expected. Mm. The backlash through social media towards that player for being selfish, yeah, could be horrific. But we're not in a we're not we're, in a. I, a, I admit we're not football. We're much better than football. No, no, yeah. <laughs> but well, I was about Argentinian umpire who had to remove his accounts because of abuse he got. Yeah, yeah. And I do know one of, one of the Argentinian women's goalkeepers got a lot of grief for uh, stepping out of a cycle to have a kid. Yeah, I remember which one it was. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, some people can be so cruel right but we're not we're not in a in a i don't know we're, we're not in a in a in a normal we're not in normal circumstances we're not in normal circumstances at the moment you know we've we've had covid we've still got covid around at the moment we we've been in lockdown and throughout the world we've been in lockdown a, a couple of times and then reopened and then come back again in, into lockdown the vaccine you know people are having vaccines and, and things like that uh, but we're still, we've still got COVID about, right? It's still a danger. It, it might not be that much of a threat now because of obviously people having vaccines, but it still is a bit of a, a concern for some people, right? We're not in normal circumstances. And I don't, I think people should understand that. And, you know, Just like, because they should doesn't mean they will. Yeah, no, unfortunately. I and I think yeah, um, the national I, governing body is possibly willing to take the hit on behalf of the individual yeah yeah because oh, no, I thought, I thought if people turn around that. and say oh, i can't believe they left this player out it's yeah. very different to i can't believe you decided not to go to go yeah, yeah. no i totally understand that and i and, and and i get your point i do get your point and maybe i i kind of like stand corrected there <laughs> with regards to whether they should do that or not um but but that's just me. I mean, I'd be like, okay, great. Yeah, I I totally understand. Totally understand why you've done it, right? But that's probably just me anyway, uh, and maybe just a handful of other people, <laughs> um, and maybe other people uh, and it, the majority. It could very well be the majority. Yeah, yeah. No, no. But the totally... negativity always comes from the vocal minority. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, right. On anyway. a more positive note, let's talk about coach. Yeah, yeah. Ring a ring of roses. <laughs> so we've had a uh, we've had a few, haven't we? Um, that have changed from from one team to another. Um, some kind of um, shocking, not shocking, not shocking, surprising, surprising moves, and some like you, we're thinking, hmm, that that might not be that bad actually. Um, so. Uh, Sal, I'll come to you on this one. Um, who are they and where have they gone? So, Jérôme Dalmé has always uh, leaving France after the Euros and uh, going to manage the Netherlands, uh, where he was formerly captain of the men. Max Caldas is moving from the Dutch men to the Spanish men. And Fred Soyer is moving from the Spanish men to the French men in the position that Jérôme vacated. So what do we think about the, that movement there? It's, uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised about Max going to Spain. I don't know about you guys. I thought he would go back into club hockey personally. Okay. Um, he did very well in club hockey. Um, obviously did exceptionally well with the Dutch women, and it just hasn't worked out with the Dutch men. But that doesn't mean he's not a good coach. No. Uh, and and the Dutch men are in a complicated situation right now anyway. So I will. I was hoping he would go back to to club hockey. Um, partly because it just means you get to see more of what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and and he is he is a 
great coach and a wonderful person on the occasions I've met him. Yeah. Um, for Del May, I'm very happy for him. He was a great captain. Um, and uh, I think he's done quite well with France. I am a bit surprised because obviously France will be pumping a load of cash in. Uh, and I think for the Euros, they could be one of the surprise packages because of the circumstance of, of, of the proximity of the Olympics, but also um, in general, you know, a lot of French players are playing at a very good level. They are not France of old. Mm. I don't expect them to turn France up. France have just turned Germany over in one of their warm-up games as well. 5-2, oh. I believe. Wow. Yeah. yeah, they've got they've got some good players. They beat Argentina in that, in that World Cup match. Uh, they lost, I can't remember his name, but they lost that chap to um, uh, a, 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 a drugs violation, unfortunately, which um, was a big hit for them. But mm. you know, a lot of them are playing in the Belgian league, a few are thinking in the Dutch league, and a few maybe in the, in the German as well. Um, so they've got good potential with spain i'm intrigued because you know that they're um and, and it came out in pro league again recently that fiery temper and they do self-destruct quite often um but then, then and I've, and, max... I've never seen Caldas have to deal with a team who do that yeah but that's what i mean he max can be very authoritative i mean there's a, you know when he's on the side of the pitch or whatever, he can be yeah. not, I don't want to say aggressive. He's not aggressive. He's just basically very passionate when he, when he talks sometimes. Very assertive. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so maybe they need that. Maybe they need a, a really assertive, you know, coach there saying, look, listen to me, you're doing this wrong or whatever. Let's carry on and let's keep to the game plan and whatever. Maybe they need that guidance. Maybe they need that headstrong coach there. Not that saying that the old coach wasn't headstrong or anything like that, um, but maybe they need that headstrong coach there to sort of like say this is the way this is the way I want it done. Yeah, I mean with Soya, I think, and this is true also for the women that the Spanish men and women have have done so well in recent years. Yeah, um, and they don't get masses of support. Uh, a lot of them play outside the country for club hockey normally, and none of them think yeah they're like us and they come back. Yeah, uh, but. You know, they 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 have surpassed expectations. So I think he can be very proud of a job he's done. Um, and I think for France, he looks like a good coach to come in. Uh, and and for Paris, obviously they're going to have a cash injection. Um, so he's joining at a great time. Yeah. So I think all of them are good, positive moves. Yeah. Very interesting ones. Um, and yeah, like you said, I think you're right. Caldas's manner probably might be a good way of trying to mitigate for the tempers. Yeah. Um, but I've never seen him have to deal with a team. You know, he's got the odd player in the Dutch team who's a bit fiery. Yeah. Um, but I've, yeah, I've never had to see him deal with a team where there is that uh, sort of passion. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think he'd be all right. I think he'd be all right. And he, and he might he might even settle them a little bit because he's he's quite headstrong as well as well as I mean he's a really good coach anyway. But he's quite headstrong. He won't. He won't take any nonsense, really, um, and he likes he likes the teams to go with his game plan. And if the yeah. if the players have got any other opinions or whatever, he's again he's one of those coaches that will listen and and then maybe turn around and say, well, no, we're not going to do it that way. I'll listen to what you've got to say. Coaching staff come over. Sorry, I'm intrigued to see how much of his uh, current coaching staff moves uh, over. Yeah, yeah. they've not announced them out there anyway, so who knows? He might take some of his coaching staff with him and. Let's see what happens. Maybe look at the new appointments in the next pod, uh, podcast or whatever. But good luck to them anyway. I think uh, it's some uh, inter- interesting moves around around there with with those um, you know coaches there, and you know we'll see how it goes from there. Um, I think it'll be 
interesting. The Olympics will be interesting after the Euros, with obviously uh, Delmi going to uh, the Netherlands after the Euros, and obviously um, uh, Soyer is, uh, going to France as well after the Euros. Uh, is Max already with the Spanish? He's not, is he? He's going to be after the Euros as well, is that right? After the Olympics. Oh, after the Olympics, okay. So who's going to be the interim uh, coach then for Spain? If, uh, Soyer... No, he's, he's staying with Spain and then moving. Oh, okay. All right. So it's after, after... Yeah, I think they're all moving after the Olympics, aren't they? After the Olympics, okay, all right, okay. So they're all with the with but, their respective but, teams sorry, until... It's because, it, because I was talking about, I think, France in the first instance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, theirs is after the Euros, they lose their coach, because obviously they have nothing else after the Euros. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay, cool. Um. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what the, the what the next three years brings for those guys for, for the next Olympic cycle. Obviously, it's only three years now, and <laughs> not four. Yeah, um, I mean... The uh, the new French manager, what what a move taking over an up and coming mm. hockey nation. Yeah, yeah. To then be at a home Olympics yeah. with the crowd behind them. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And you know, with Delmi doing a good job there, I think it only it'll need only needs Sawyer to basically do you know carry on that great work that's been uh, put in the foundations that have been put in to place. And I think you know he'll do a good job. He's he's a good coach. Um, He'll do a good job, and like I said, just have to see what happens with the next cycle and see how how much they improve or or whatever. Um, what have we got next then, Fraser? Okay, next we've had some domestic competitions finish up in the past few weeks. So we've had Denbosch winning on the women's side of things. That's their twentieth title. Twentieth title, wow. Mental. Con- consecutive or just basically? No, not consecutive. Oh, not consecutive. I'm sad. But... Pops up every now and then. <laughs> uh, and and for more information, listen to the podcast interview with Lydia Velton. Yeah, please do. <laughs> it is a very interesting listen. Yeah, definitely. And then on the men's side of things, we had Blumendahl coming away with the win. Yeah, not too surprising, as Simon says. I think they are probably the strongest club side in the world at the minute. Mm. But it was close. And did you see the conclusion? Of, it uh, was two, if I if I'm remembering correctly, it was two score draws and two shootout wins to Blumendahl. Yeah, and and Kampong were in a position to win the second match and therefore take it to the third match. But then one of their players had a moment of madness where um, basically he collided with Thierry Brinkman, um, and as they got up, he picked up Brinkman's stick and shoved it quite hard into his stomach. Um, yeah, so that's... initially a yellow card, and then Blumendahl uh, referred something separate that had happened in the build-up, I think asking if the ball had gone out of play or something like that. And the video umpire said, actually, you really should strongly consider giving a red card. Um, and if you watch it in the slow motion thing, Keely Dunn did a fantastic job on FH umpires going through this. Um, but if you watch the real-time one, there's no doubt. And like Brinkman definitely made the most of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wholeheartedly believe he should have got a yellow card for simulation because that was ridiculous. But <laughs> when you watch it back, I think even in the slow motion, you can tell that he is properly jabbing that into his rib or midriff, I should say. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a red card. Um, yeah, so it, it's one of the things. It's just, as you say, a moment of badness. Never pick up another player's stick, especially in COVID. Mm. Well, their their stuff's completely different to ours. Though, they're, like I remember watching pro league and being stunned that they were allowed to spit and pick up the ball and stuff. Um, thinking, you know, over here, I think they said it's a straight red, isn't it? If you spit on a pitch, right? Uh, uh, no, it's a yellow card, and you have yellow. to clean it up. Okay. Um, thankfully, it doesn't happen. That's because we, because people are being sensible about that stuff. Um, I have actually seen it happen once. Oh, really? Since we returned to hockey, 
and the umpire didn't give a yellow card because he felt so guilty about shouting at the player and making him go and fetch some disinfectant and clean the pitch. Wow. If it's an innocent mistake, it's an innocent mistake. But yeah, um, it was such a silly thing to do. There's been a lot of criticism as well of Brinkman for his reaction. Um, but on the other hand, something that um, a coach I used to work with would always say is don't give them the opportunity to react that way and get you in trouble. Or mm. don't give them the opportunity for the umpire to make a mistake or whatever. Um, and, and doing what he did, it was inevitable that he was going to get carded for it. Mm. And Brinkman made sure of it. Um and yeah, and it, it basically cost them the game and prob- and possibly the championship as a consequence because Blumendahl might not have got back into it if they had had 11 players with 10 minutes to go. Mm. Oh, Obviously, okay. I'm happy. I'm a Blumendahl fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, any others? Um, yeah, and then jumping over to Belgian leagues, uh, the Dragons won on the men's side of things. This is where Simon comes up with an interesting fact about Dragons. What? Well, well, um... <laughs> <laughs> he can't do I, just, I just thought I'd put him on the spot. I wasn't expecting that. Um, no, well, they've, they've been playing very well, I think, all season, haven't they, really? Um, it's nice also that their women got into the final. Um, so good for the club. Uh, and yeah, it's worth watching their fan social media thing. They've got like like the Bloomigan for um, uh, for Bloomendale. Uh, they've got like a, a sort of a Dragons uh, fan group as well. And some of the stuff they were doing, it looked like a lot of fun back at the clubhouse. <laughs> oh. Anyone else? Who else? Yeah, uh, and then we also have uh, Gantois winning. Gantois. What? What Simon said. Uh, <laughs> winning the women's Bundesliga in Germany. Cool. No. Is it not? No, they were beyond a division in Belgium. Uh, Belgium. Of course they are. In fact, I know they're a Belgian team. Uh, they... the Bundesliga there. Anyway. Yeah, Gantois have been amazing. Um, like just liquid hockey. They've steamrolled almost everybody. Oh. Uh, and they've got Ombra playing up front, who's basically an inevitable world player of the year when she's a little bit older. <laughs> um, yeah, they've been playing some exceptional hockey. Uh, so thoroughly deserved. Cool. It's a shame for their men. Their men had a great start to the season and just fell to pieces. Well, are, are they any good? I mean, well, obviously they were quite good when they first started. Then yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened really. They just they, they had a, a their men had a period where they were doing brilliantly and again just smashing everyone. Mm. And then there was a bit of a break, and when they came back, they just never got back into it. Um, and slowly but surely dropped enough points that they were out of the mix. Mm. Um, playing lockdown. Playing lockdown, I think that's 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 happened to a lot of a lot of teams. I think out there, not not just in that league, in 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 all the leagues around the world, especially ours in 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 the UK at the moment, and and I think same for Australia and Germany and things like that. Um, not not like loads, but it has affected a lot of teams. Um, because I know my team when I when I'm when I was coaching in in kind of like September up to up to the first lockdown kind of. Well, the second lockdown for us, but the first lockdown in the in the season, um, we were doing really well. We were we were doing, you know, we were getting there and we're gelling and things like that. And then lockdown, Christmas lockdown happened for two and a half months or whatever. Uh, and we came back. Obviously, with, there was no league anyway. But when we came back, and we did some friendlies. We didn't look as strong. Um, we just couldn't get into uh, some of the some of the things that we'd actually done pre lockdown and things like that. Um, and then. As 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 the season finished, kind of like you know April or whatever, we were getting there again. So it got it took us a, a few friendly games or whatever to to get back into it. But I think the lockdown has did affect a lot of teams, and maybe that's pretty much similar to um, you know uh, those men as well. 
Um, maybe next next season it'll be their season because hopefully we won't get any any interruptions or major interruptions anyway. Okay, so what's next then, Fraser? Um, I think this is probably the last topic, isn't it? But go on. So next we're going to talk about the European Hockey Club organization. Okay, I think um, I think Simon knows a little bit about this more than I more than I do. Uh, when you gave me the acronym, I'm thinking, what is that? <laughs> yeah, so basically, uh, it is um, group of clubs from uh, a variety of different nations. Uh, England uh, is not one of them. Um, where they are trying to protect the interests of uh, the clubs. Uh, the players who play for those clubs, uh, and also athlete welfare and the they say the future of um, eleven aside hockey. Um, their concerns are things like the pro league crowding out the fixture list, um, losing players uh, to pro league, and also the injuries that inevitably come from playing those sorts of tournaments. Um, so they're trying to work together to protect their interests and protect the athletes, uh, which I think is a good thing. Um, obviously, only a few weeks ago, we had the Football Super League idea and everyone reacted saying this is a terrible idea um, and it's so wrong. And then with this, everyone has said this is a great idea um, and it's essentially the same thing, but it's not really the same it's, thing. It's, it's not a league, is it? It's just an organisation to protect, yes, yeah. protect the, the club structure and, and things like that. And, and, and I think... We, we, I mean, we were discussing this before as well. I think it's because of the push for five-a-side game there um, that these guys are have, have made this organisation up, um, which I think is a good idea because I think athletes and clubs and, 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 and things like that need a voice, especially against NGBs and the national international governing body. They need a voice. And if this is the organisation that can do it for them, as in, you know, clubs can turn around and sort of, you know, clubs in this organisation can turn around and say, right, no, we, we don't agree with that. Can we can we have a chat and with the FIH or whatever? And can we have a chat and sort of say, right, this is what our members think we should be doing, right? We don't want to lose the 11-a-side game. And if, we, if we're going to push the 5-a-side game, which I don't think is should be is necessary or even uh, IOC have said it's not necessary because they haven't pushed for the FIH to come up with a short form game anyway so why why I don't understand it I don't understand it it's, it's something like you know the pro league it's been thrust on us okay and we just have to you know um, you know sort of like suck it and see kind of thing right and then now we've got the fives going on and we're in the same situation where We've got to suck it and see. We shouldn't be in a, in a situation like this because I think for big major, I know this could be a really uh, like a, a, a long process or whatever, but, but big major changes like that should come from members like us. You know, national governing bodies should be sort of like saying, what do you think of this? Have a survey. It's easy with the technology we've got now to come up with, you know, vote for this, vote, vote for that. You know, you're a member of the, of, of the national governing body, right? Vote for this or vote for that. Or get clubs to actually get people to vote. We have we have service for everything. Well, not everything in the UK, but most things in the UK. The national governing body asks us about stuff. This is what our plan is. What do you guys? What what do clubs want to see? Blah blah. blah. And then that's when they actually bring their their campaigns and their programs forward. And so let's say right. This is the, from the feedback that we got. This is what we're going to do. Now it's not going to please every single club, but if the majority of clubs want it, that's basically what they're trying to do. Well, I think one of the things they want is that the club game is protected. 
Um, so, I mean, just from my own experience managing a National League team, we would lose some of our best talented juniors because on the same day that we were playing National League match, there was a high pack or whatever taking place. Yeah. Now, with the greatest respect possible, they will learn a lot more playing National League hockey than they will at that high pack thing. Mm. Um, and I know it's all part of the journey, but they're going to get more out of National League. Um, so, you know, Serbs and women were undefeated for donkey's years and then pretty much their entire squad went missing because an international match clashed with a domestic one. Mm. Um, so they, they lost their record. Um, the time I went to see Bloomingdale in person, they absolutely destroyed Oranyarud. And it was because most of the Oranyarud players had been playing in, in Pro League mm. and I weren't able to then play in this or they were knackered. Yeah. Um, so the sport thrives because of a good club game. The national teams thrive because of a good club game. And, and therefore, it's in the interest for everybody if they protect it. So to me, this is definitely a good thing. Um, I'm disappointed there's no English teams in it. I would hope it is because um, they feel that there is... It's the European hockey clubs. We're not in the EU anymore. We're an island nation. Well, we're Our in own the... continent. We don't We don't count as Europe anymore. <laughs> ah, listen, <laughs> people keep saying that. We haven't left Europe. We, we, we have. We, just... We've detached from the continent. We, we... <laughs> we're going to drift off into... A lot of people say that. Sea. We've left Europe. We haven't left Europe. Where did we go from been in Europe, have we just gone into the middle of like some sort of ocean in our own little bubble? We haven't left Europe. We just have left the European Union. That's all. We we're can still Europe. we can still be part of European, you know, club organisations and stuff. <laughs> Once we drift off, we're gonna move. We're gonna set up somewhere near Australia where the weather's nicer. <laughs> yeah. No, so in all seriousness, weather there. it'll be better um, weather there. Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. Weather. So, in all seriousness, um, the club organisation, I'm a little bit baffled that we didn't have something like this in place before. Mm. Uh, and likewise, I don't know if we have one, but do we have a players' union? Because all the stuff they talk about seems like it's the sort of thing that should be brought up by either player, a players' union or kind of a club union yeah. kind of thing. Because, yeah. like Sam says, uh, <laughs> Sam says... Um, <laughs> When we played the Pro League games against Australia and New Zealand, I think the GB squads were taken out of the club game for over a month with travel, acclimatisation, playing the games, and then coming back, I believe it was close to five weeks. So it was just over a month that they were out of the game, and it was kind of the middle of the season because for some reason we are playing all of the away games mid-season here, and then we play all of the home games mid-season for the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. So you're always taking players out of the game, which kind of baffles me a little bit. Like, doing it the other way around would make more sense. Mm. So, you know, when they're not in season, they travel and spend a month acclimatising and playing a local game. And then, you know, the the home team, so GB in my example, we'd play at home in October against Australia, New mm. Zealand. I mean, number one we'd get a home field advantage because they're not used to that level of cold and rain. But number two, yeah. it also means that the players aren't going to disappear for a month mid-season. We put a slip week in, so they're not missing any club games, but they can also train with the GB squad and with club mm. right up to the weekend before. But is that it, is to it, me feels like something that should be fairly obvious. There's, 
the thing is, it, there's, there's so much international stuff going on at the moment, right? It's going to clash somewhere, I think, anyway. I mean, there the, the could be... The, uh, well, it might well, not clash with There's also as, stupid as, as, clashes, like <laughs> the EHL finals, yeah. which have no, no, always what? been on Easter weekend yeah. for as long as I can remember EHL. Yeah, oh, I understand that. There's I mean, a pro league game scheduled for that weekend. Yeah, but I understand the, that. The calendars always ignore the HF calendar. So, like, um, when I was looking after Antwerp at the um, uh, Euro Hockey Club Champions Cup or something like that, um, we were watching the World Cup on TV. So, the Spanish, the Belgians, etc., none of them had international players playing because they're at the World Cup. Leicester had some of their England players missing because they were playing in a World Cup. BFH doesn't care about the HF calendar. Um, Surely, like they should, they should, you know, talk to the regional governing bodies, like you know the Euro Hockey uh, people, right? And they should talk to the African Hockey Association, and they should talk to the Oceania Hockey Association, or whatever. Right, the regional competitions, and then come to an agreement to sort of like say, "What's your calendar? What do you want to do?" And then let's let's do it. There must be there must be times where there can be no clashes. There might be some clashes, but not a lot of clashes. There should be some um, clashes that are, are avoidable, especially finals and things like that. There's got to be a way around not having a clash like that. Got to be. So in theory, there should be a trickle down effect. So the FIA should release a calendar of all of their games, but that would have to be 18 months to 12 months in the future. Yeah. So like the shortest would be a one-year heads-up, the longest would be 18 months, and that would allow everyone else to book around that so there's not clashes. Mm. But the FIH calendar is never out that far in advance. So people book things, like tournaments, where you have to arrange a lot of stuff, and then the FIH turn around and go, oh no, we're having games this weekend yeah i know, I know what you're, i know what you're saying it'd be that'd be too easy wouldn't it real but the, like you're saying they never we have a collaborative president at the head of the fih who will listen to the voices of others and do what's in the best interest of the sport absolutely he's doing a great fantastic job which um, is obviously to cut the teams and the pitches in half <laughs> oh dear right anyway listen <laughs> i think personally euro hockey club organization is a, is a good idea and i think the, the clubs do need new do need a voice um and hopefully you know the national governing bodies and the international governing body will take heed to what these guys have got to say because of what the clubs are saying to them right um but i think that's going to be a bit of a long process they may not have that much power at the moment and then again i don't know i could be completely wrong they might have a lot of power if they turn around and sort of say our clubs are against this idea how about and if the fih or the euro hockey organization is is looking to um sort of like uh, you know uh speak to them and 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 hear what they've got to say then that be that's good for the for the sport isn't it really and we and we need something like that i mean that's this is european hockey clubs organization but i think there should be possibly an international one maybe um i think that's a, a that's a massive project for sure um but you know if if the if you have regional organizations like we like europe have got you know um and that's a start and then maybe other regions have their own little organizations that actually might help to be to put together an international organization at, at, at a future date hopefully. but i think it's definitely needed because it because the information would you know the the feedback would come from the players to the clubs and then the clubs will feed back to the 
to the organizations won't they so it's only a good yeah like i say i'm i'm just baffled that this kind of organization hasn't been set up in the past mm. well, i don't think it needed to because it wasn't quite so bad you know like champions trophy for example uh normally took place in european off season um olympics european off season euros european off season mm. uh, and then you just play the odd the odd thing like qualifiers maybe could have been an issue and that's when hopefully well, that didn't always happen. Sense would have dictated that the, the match would be the match day would be postponed. Mm. Uh, but now with you know the FIH disregarding the interests of club hockey, and and that makes sense because you know their their finances come from uh, the international game. But mm. good of a game, you need to look after the club game. Um, yeah. So that's why there is the obvious need for it because if they don't have it, they get shafted. Mm, definitely. No, I I meant even as like a box ticking thing. How does this kind of organization not exist well they do for have them to report to that we've had to set up a new one they do have the athletes panel so there's the athletes panel for ehf and for fih mm. uh, but how much they're listened to there's a whole other matter yeah and uh, depending who you speak to the answer varies okay well hopefully we'll uh, have a look at what these guys are going to be doing in the next you know few months year or whatever and, and see how they develop Okay, so Fraser, what's uh, what's next? Uh, I think well, that's it for that for our topics of the uh, uh, podcast. We've got other things. We've got one other thing to talk about. Is that right? Yeah. So there's been a, a few retirements again since our last recording. Yeah. Uh, as people are stepping away, so a few notable ones: Justin Reed Ross and Austin Smith from South Africa, and Matt Swan from Australia. Don't know what to say about that. You know, it's going to be a big loss to whichever team that they've actually, you know, retired from. <laughs> I think, uh, I think this is my uh, time to actually say. And finally, is that right, Fraser? I believe it is. All right, then go on, get on your soapbox. <laughs> and finally, yeah. So as with the end of every episode, I just remind people that I've got a Patreon. Uh, it helps to cover costs for reviews and giveaways and. The maximum that you can donate per month is two pounds or two dollars or two euros because I'd rather have a lot of people putting in a little bit extra than having a handful of people putting in a lot. Mm. Uh, it does give you some exclusive content, it gives you early access to reviews and things like that, and entry into special giveaways or priority entry into public giveaways. Uh, you got any reviews coming up? Uh, I have a few reviews coming up. So, we I have just put live uh, an Osaka review which should be free for everyone to access at the time that this goes out. I have got a couple of small brand reviews coming out soon, and I've got some more stuff in the works. God, they're gonna right, be on... Simon. Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> so we got, uh, have we got um, any coming on the website or just YouTube at the moment? Uh, they will all be coming to the Hockey Family website as well. That's what I like to hear. Whenever. <laughs> I'll push you. Okay, so basically, uh, we don't have a Patreon account at um, Talk Hockey Radio uh, or even at uh, the Hockey Family, but we do have a donation button on our website. Uh, we also have a shop. Hasn't got much on there at the moment. You know, got about 100-odd items on there, but it, it will be hopefully expanding uh, in the next few weeks, hopefully, uh, with more products on there. So if you want to help Talk Hockey Radio or even the Hockey Family, you could either donate something and thank you to those people that have donated so far. Or you can actually buy something from the website. If there's anything that you want to see on the website, that 
isn't available as as in as a product then let us know and we can try and see if we can source it um i'm pretty sure we could let's see what happens um like i said i mean i'd love you to buy something but if you want to donate something then that'd be great as well but it's entirely up to yourselves but it would it would be a massive help like you know fraser was saying with his patreon it's a massive help for him when he's doing his reviews that it covers the cost kind of <laughs> for the pitch hire and things like that and with regards to you know the hockey family and uh talk hockey radio we do have um sort of like cost behind the scenes with regards to websites and and all the like apps that we use and uh, whatever on a on a regular basis it does cost us some money every single month so it would help massively if you could donate to either uh boss f hockey don't do it don't do it or to, <laughs> to talk hockey radio or the hockey family no I, no uh, that's joking, another joking. week before the review's gone the hockey family website <laughs> joking aside uh donate to any one of us i think you know it, it'll be a massive help to any one of us uh if you do basically donate but thank you to those that have actually donated to us and also obviously um you know support boss f hockey as well and i think that's basically it guys eh don't know has simon got anything to plug I don't know. Have you got anything to plug, Sai? Just good luck to everyone going to the Euros. <laughs> I've had a message reminding me about some of the good bits about not being able to go, so I'll be able to uh, watch it on the <laughs> my daughter. So that's true. I wouldn't be able to do that in Amsterdam. Oh, Sai, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for listening um, to our uh, your rants and discussions and stuff like that. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure having Simon and Fraser joining me on this podcast. Thank you, guys. Um, it's honestly, it's always a pleasure speaking to you guys. Cheers, Taff. Cheers, Taff. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. <laughs>